Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Uh, today, I'm going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, toward the end of the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, before I jump in the message, I want to know if you have ever seen this guy. Picture up on the screen. Anybody ever seen this guy? A few of you. So this guy is Judge Caprio. Uh, I don't know him. He's actually got a television show that's not on here, but he's a municipal court judge. I have no idea what they do, but I think they adjudicate like really small things in a city uh, for Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, he, I know him because he comes up on my social media feed every now and again. And so he had a case where someone was speeding in a school zone. That's bad. Now, if you're speeding, that's bad. But if you're speeding in a school zone, you should get a ticket. Don't you agree? And so he's describing this uh, person who was speeding, invited him into the courtroom. Here's a picture of the person who was speeding. Right? Same thought I had. Oh, he's 96 years old. My first thought was, dude, why are you driving? You're not, right? That's, I'm just being honest. That's my first thought. And so the, uh, Judge Caprio said, this is what happened. You were speeding. Tell me a little bit about it. And so this 96-year-old says something like this. I'm 96 years old. I don't drive that fast. I was taking my boy for blood work. He's handicapped. I take him for blood work every two weeks because he's got cancer. I don't know about you, but that tugs at my heartstrings. Like, here's a 96-year-old guy taking care of his 63, we find out later, 63-year-old son who's got cancer, who's handicapped. He's just trying to be a good dad. He's doing his best. So I want to take a poll this morning. How many of you in the room, by show of hands, would show some mercy to the 96-year-old and dismiss the case? Just raise your hand. Oh, you're You're wonderful. How many of you would have the 96-year-old pay the fine? Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you later. (laughs) Because what happened was the judge dismisses the case, shows mercy to the 96. He's doing the best he can, right? And just, I'm sure he was not going 105, right? He's doing the best he can, shows mercy. We're going to talk about mercy today as an example. I want to Uh, Give us just a foundational definition to build off of. This is what mercy is. Kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. The judge could have treated him harshly, told him to pay the, but he was kind. To extend this thought, I want to talk about another case. Another example. This next picture is Officer Richard Houston. He's from Dallas, Texas. He's 48, 25-year veteran of the Dallas Police Department. He got a call on December 2nd to go to a grocery store parking lot where there was a domestic dispute taking place. And when he pulled up, it escalated rather quickly. Guns were pulled. He had to shoot. The shooter shot him and killed him in the line of duty. There's really not much question who shot him because who shot him also got shot and he ended up in the hospital. I'm not going to take the same poll whether we should be merciful to the shooter. 
right? Because even in my life, I, I hear stories like that, and I'm like, put that guy away forever. I, I'm just being honest, like that, that hurts at a different level. But I, I want to extend this story and share with you about the officer's daughter at his funeral. She gave the eulogy, and this is what she said. There's been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, and part of me wishes that I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find myself is hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. When I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is someday down the road, I get to spend some time with the man who shot my father, not to scream, not to yell, not to scold him, but to simply tell him about Jesus. Whoa. That is a merciful response, isn't it? Wouldn't the the world be better off if we were that merciful to one another? And as I think about Shelby talking at her, her dad's funeral and her merciful response, I'm not sure if that one sentence definition of mercy that I gave earlier was good enough because her response was way better than being kind. And so I started searching for a better definition. I think I found one. Here's, Here's what it says. Being merciful does not mean only to sympathize with the person in the popular sense of the term. It doesn't mean simply to feel sorry for someone in trouble. Mercy means the ability to get right inside the other person's skin until we can see the things with his eyes, think the things with his mind, and feel the things with his feelings. Clearly, this is much more than an emotional wave of pity, and this demands a quite deliberate effort of the mind and of the will. That is a much better description of the mercy that Shelby has shown her father's killer. Because she realizes in the midst of this that life is so much better when you have Jesus in your life, and so she shares that level of mercy with him. As I think about that example and Think about, boy, wouldn't the world be better, right, if, if we were all shown that level of mercy? If I can just be a, a little raw this morning, over the last week, uh, some of you know this, my mom passed away, and uh, as I'm dealing with that, and I'm selling her house, and I'm trying to do all these things around me, uh, there's some hardship in the middle of it, and some people are getting frustrated with me because things aren't working right, and I remember thinking, I could have even said it, I'm doing my best. Can someone show me a little mercy? Like I'm trying in the midst of a really hard season to do what I think is best. How about some mercy? Has anybody ever thought that? Right, where's the mercy? And in the middle of my pity party, party, I got a little knock on my head from God. And he said, I showed you some mercy today. I thought, oh. Here's a question. When's the last time I experienced mercy? Think about that for your, just for yourself. Right? We can get in a pity party and go, man, I'm, I'm trying my best. Come on, show me some mercy. But the reality is, let me give you two verses. Some of you may know these. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone in here, you have, even though you're the 950 service on Sunday at church, You've sinned. I have. 
And then the next verse, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank goodness God is merciful because, because of our sinful nature, we deserve judgment and death. God is merciful. He got you here today. You have another shot. Amen? Like, it's good news. God is merciful. All throughout Scripture, we hear about God's mercy. Exodus 34. It's kind of a unique passage. God's, like, walking before uh, Moses, and he talks about himself, and he says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. It's the first way he describes himself. He's merciful. Psalm 148, it says, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. God is merciful. If you've been around church, you've heard this multiple times. God God mercies are new every morning. You've heard verses like this. But I wonder, as I was praying about this, if 2022 would be different if we really ask some deeper questions about God's mercy. Like, why is he merciful? What does it even mean? Did did God's mercy change in Scripture? Because in the Old Testament, when I hear stories about the Old Testament, it seems that God is angry and kills a whole bunch of people, but then he sends Jesus. Did he change his mercy formula? Like, how does that work? And how how am I supposed to respond if I'm shown God's mercy? I have questions about God's mercy. And so I want to go a little deeper than normal this morning to talk about something we may have heard but maybe not deeply understand, and I think it would benefit us this year to start the year off right if we have a better understanding of mercy, how it works in Scripture, what it means, what was God's plan, and then what we're supposed to do about it. And I want to do that by looking at the book of 1 Timothy. It's a letter that Paul writes to Timothy, a younger guy, and Paul's nearing the end of his ministry career, and he gets this opportunity to write letters to Timothy to encourage him, give him some great advice. And there's some hints in here about mercy that I want to highlight. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I'll start reading. It says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. As I've been thinking about mercy as I read that, uh, I think there's two things that can help us this year to really understand what it is and do something with it. So before I jump into those two things about mercy, let me pray. So Father, we pray this morning, I pray I need your mercy, we need your mercy, and we thank you that you are a merciful God. And I pray, God, as we explore Scripture today, that you would reveal yourself, that you would open our hearts and minds and ears to hear your words, to be different this year than we were last. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Back to your program, there's a couple of fill-in-the-blanks that'll help guide us today. Here's what I see in the letter from Paul to Timothy. I see this. God's mercy is not getting what we deserve. Not getting what we deserve. That's like the typical church description of what mercy is. Verse 13. Paul's writing Timothy says this, even though I was once a blasphemer, persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. If there was anybody in scripture who deserved to be whacked by God, it would be Paul. He was the knucklehead above all other knuckleheads at the time. He was out persecuting Christians, throwing people in jail, beating them up, yet God steps in, shows him mercy that he did not deserve. He showed me mercy. It's mid-20s when I came to know Jesus and actually start following him. And just, uh, just to be honest, before I knew Jesus, I, I was a knucklehead. I made stupid, stupid decisions. Anybody else before Jesus, knucklehead? Yeah, y'all were. Right? It, I made some really silly mistakes that I deserved God to, to just whack me. But he showed mercy because that's who he is. Now, to understand how God's mercy works and what his design is, I want to go through the entire biblical account of mercy. So we're going to hit about 1,800 scriptures today. So buckle up. No, we're not. But I do want to take, I want to take sort of a, a different journey. And I want you to hang in there because it's important. If we pay attention to the details, we'll learn a few things. And the first thing we need to do is go back to the way God describes himself, Exodus 34, 6. Remember, he's describing himself. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. So it's just a core quality of who he is. A little bit later, he talks about people who don't follow him. There will be judgment. So we need to understand that God is merciful and he's a judge. A couple of examples in Genesis. Many of you probably know the story of Noah and the ark. God realizes that the people are sinning. He's not happy with them, and he's going to be judged. He's going to bring judgment upon the world, and he goes to Noah and his family and shows them mercy, but he's a judge to everybody else and kills them. We see merciful God, and we see God as a judge. little time after that, people re-enter the picture. Again, we find that they're not following God's commands. Their heart is not in it. And so we find towns like Sodom and Gomorrah who are just off the rails with sin. And God is, again, not pleased. He wants their hearts, but they're not giving their hearts to him. But yet we see Lot, a guy named Lot, and his wife and his daughters who are shown mercy as he, again, judges those two towns because he's not happy with them. We see God as merciful, and we see God as a judge. And God, soon after that, puts this plan in place because he's still desiring people's hearts. And so he sets this plan in place to create a temple. Maybe we can create a temple where God and people will meet. And so there's a temple, and inside the temple there's this place called the Holy of Holies where this ark, this box. Maybe you've heard about the Ark of the Covenant. Here's a picture of what it looks like. This actually comes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Kind of silly, but it's not a bad representation. I think they looked at the Bible when they created it for the movie. 
And notice there's some important details here as it relates to mercy. This is the place where God wanted to meet people. So he said, build an ark, two angels on top, he called them cherubim. They were on a lid on top of the ark. And there's an interesting thing in scripture about this lid. Exodus uh, 30, no, Exodus 25, 17. God says about the lid, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Wasn't that interesting? God says create a mercy seat. Some other translations call it the atonement cover. There's really not a seat, but it's this place of meeting with people. One time a year on the day of atonement, God said that the royal priest, whoever the priest was, was supposed to come in on the single day. He was supposed to slaughter a, a bull, take the blood of the bull, go to the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, pour out the blood on that, and that's where God and man would meet, and that would atone for their sins. That would make their sins and turn them around. God would forgive them. He would have mercy on them. Do you see how this works? It's the mercy seat. God would have mercy on them, and people would meet him. That was God's design, and then we messed that up as people. Because what people would do later on is they would fall into this religious obligation where it's like, oh, okay, we got to do this day of atonement thing and do this and do that. And God was not pleased. And so what he does is he sends Jesus. He says, he sends Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. Now, I want to go back to my earlier definition of mercy for a second. Remember, mercy means the ability to get right inside the other person's skin until we can see the things with his eyes, think things with his mind, feel things with his feelings. God was so patiently merciful on us that he sent Jesus to feel the things that we feel. He put him in bodily form so he could see the things that we see. That is a deep, deep level of mercy, and he's trying to capture our hearts in the middle of this. Puts him on a cross, like gives us the sacrifice. Remember the sacrifice earlier, the bull? Now he's like, okay, you've messed that up. I'll give you the sacrifice. And then he, he goes on. Hebrews 2 sends it this way. Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful, is that word, and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make, look at that, atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. It, it, it goes even beyond this. Do you want to see something really cool in Scripture? You guys want to see something cool in Scripture? Yeah! yeah. Okay. Jesus dies on a cross, gets set in a tomb. Mary comes to visit Jesus in the tomb to pay honor to him. And look what happens, John 2, 11 and 12. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. Mentally get this image. There's two angels. One at the head, one at the foot. It's a representation 
of the earlier picture we had of the ark. If you can't get your mind wrapped around it, here's a painting from the 1800s, two angels over Jesus. It's a picture of the ark. It's a representation that God says, essentially, the same plan I had from the beginning of the scripture until today, it's the same plan. It's the place that I want to meet you then was the ark, now is Jesus, and that's the place where an atonement for your sin has to take place, and he's provided the sacrifice. The plan has never changed. He's going way out of his way to capture our heart and follow him, and he is so incredibly patient in the middle of this. Boy, Steve, that's really good. Which is why, and if we look back to the scripture in uh, Paul writing Timothy, Paul says this, but for this very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. God is so patient with us. You can write this down. God is more patient than we deserve. God is way more patient than I, than you deserve. Until he's not. In scripture we read that there will be a day of judgment. That we will, every knee will bow, and we will face our maker. But today we still have an opportunity. Because God is merciful. God's mercy is not getting what we deserve. The other thing I see in the text is this. Paul writing Timothy, God's mercy is meant to be shared. We receive it, we should do something with it. Verse 16, Paul's writing about his, God's immense patience, but then he says this, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. All throughout Paul's letter, he's writing Timothy that his life is an example of God's mercy that was shown him. And that Timothy should be an example, because Timothy, you received mercy as well. Our lives should extend mercy to others. It's not just for us. I was reminded this last couple of weeks, I was in the atrium actually, and ran into somebody I used to work with before I worked here at the vineyard. And the person said, I cannot believe, it's a little funny, I can't believe, Steve, out of anybody, you are up on the platform talking about Jesus. I was like, I know, right? Like I was an idiot. But I cannot help, because of God's mercy and what he has done in my life, I cannot help but to share the love of Jesus and talk about him. Because he's amazing. He turned my life completely around. Because he was merciful. It should be an example for others. Which is exactly what Jesus shares. If we look at Jesus' account, what he shares with people who are following him, he's talking about mercy all the time and that we should share it. He's in front of, he's given his first sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And it's like right at the top, he says, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We, we should be merciful to others because God has shown us mercy. He, he talks about, many times in parables, he, he talks about an account where somebody got beat up and like thrown off to the side of the road and three people passed and two people 
didn't do anything, but the third helped him out, and he asks this, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus said, go and do likewise. It was his message. Go, show mercy to other people. And some of you, boy, you're good at this. You see somebody crying, somebody trips, somebody like what, and you're the first person to run to help them. Give them a tissue, pray for them. Keep doing that. You're amazing. But just being honest this morning, I struggle at being merciful to people. Anybody else in the room? There was a quick hand. (laughs) Here's some areas that I struggle with mercy in my own life. People who don't think like me. Somebody said amen. So I tend to be fairly logical and planned. And uh, so the creative people in the room, I love you, but sometimes you drive me crazy. Right? I, I struggle sometimes with extending mercy with people who don't think like me. Or, or if I'm in a uh, fast food drive through line and the person in front of me seemingly has ordered a banquet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's fast food. How many people did you order for? How long is it? I'm just, anybody else? Yeah. Or this one last week, I ran into somebody I did not know, and they asked me for cash. And when they asked me, they had a smartphone in their hand. They couldn't get their eyes off their smartphone as they were talking to me. And, and then as I was listening to them describe, the, the, hey, they need financial assistance cash, I could smell uh, that they had been smoking cigarettes. And I'm not proud of this, right? This is not great, but my first internal thought was, that is a nice cell phone. And if I give you cash, are you just going to go buy more cigarettes? That's not a merciful response. A merciful response would have been, I need to stop in the moment and pray, God, should I give this person money and do what God says? But there's something in there in me still that I struggle with. And as I listen to stories in the community or around the vineyard or even online, I think many of us, including me, could up our mercy game. And so I want to leave us today with a couple of ways to practically up our mercy game this year because I think our communities would be different. Our lives would be different. And I I really think it's an important thing to think about in 2022. So a couple of things I want to have you write down. Practical mercy sharing tips. Number one, forgive. You want to show mercy to somebody? Forgive them. And some of you, some of you made a mistake last year, last week, five years ago, and you need to forgive yourself. If you don't forgive yourself, that's like dropping an anchor around the thing that you can never move away from, and you're just circling around that anchor and always reminding yourself. You need to forget. Show yourself some mercy. Or the person that you ran into that's been a jerk to you, forgive them. Yep, they've been a jerk three, four, five times. They've hurt you. Forgive them. Show them a little mercy. Second thing, be kind to a stranger. Be kind to a stranger. Jesus talked to strangers all the time. It's just who he was. 
He would stop for crazy people. He would stop for people that were hurting. He would stop for sinners. He would stop for tax collectors. It's just who he was, and it's an example of what we're supposed to do. There's people all around us in a dark world looking for answers, and the world is providing those answers, but I wonder if we just talked to a stranger and showed him a little mercy, if things would be different. I'm reminded this last week, uh, my mom was passing away and we had hospice nurses come and help out. Uh, and all of the nurses were amazing, but there's this, there was one nurse. She was incredible. She talked, even though my mom was a stranger to her, it went well beyond her job description and paycheck. She was so loving to my, and talked to my mom like they had gone back for ages wouldn't life be different if we treated one another like that? The last thing that can help us this year is to build bridges instead of burning them down. Build bridges instead of burning them down. We are living in a crazy time where just about any issue I could bring up this morning from presidential politics to masks to job situations to whatever, and people have opinions and they're running around with the torch ready to burn the bridge down. And we have to, as Christians, be different this year. We have to be bridge builders because what if the bridge that person needed that thought differently from you, they need a bridge to Jesus and what if you're the bridge? What if I'm the bridge? Go back to Shelby earlier. Somebody killed her dad, and she, instead of burning the bridge down, is pleading for an opportunity to build a bridge so that guy can connect with Jesus because his life would be different. As Christians, we need to be bridge builders. Stop with the online stuff. I almost said a bad word. Stop with the online rants. It does not help. We need to shut up sometimes and figure out how to build a bridge so Jesus can get involved instead of burning them down. So here's a question I want to end with. Who do I need to show mercy to this week? Who is it? It could be a stranger, but I'm telling you, 2022 is begging us to show mercy. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we did it? God's mercy is not getting what we deserve and it's meant to be shared. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.